1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 168, a Facebook Live and Periscope edition of the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Scott, we got Bronx Banner Ale. We're drinking it in Boston, right next to Fenway Park, like we were last Wednesday. I think that's fitting. It's a nice FU you to the Red Sox.
2: Yeah, you know, I'm here for a little while, a temporary uh, guy in Boston just trying to Piss off as many Red Sox fans as I possibly can when I'm going back and forth to the hospital. So it's been an interesting walk. I've I've talked about that. And uh, yeah, today's episode is brought to you by the Bronx Banner Ale. Uh, Everybody knows it. We've been talking about it. Bronx Brewery is a good friend and partner of the show and the website. And um, if you haven't tried their Bronx Banner Ale, definitely give it a whirl. They are in many, many locations at Yankee Stadium, and if you're staying in, or if you're sitting and watching the game in the bleachers, you can find it at the Masters Pass Batters Eye. They're pouring it there, and then some of the craft brew stands behind where they do roll call. So definitely give it a give it a whirl. It's a perfect summer beer, perfect for Yankee games. And I know Andrew and I constantly drinking it when we're doing the show.
1: And it's a nice uh, that's a nice transition to September 30th. Uh, the end of the baseball season, the Yankees are obviously going to be going for the playoffs. At, at this point, it might be a wild card. We're going to get into all that coming up. But we've got an event September 30th. 30th. It's a 4 p.m. game right now against the Blue Jays that may or may not be flexed to a later time. I'm thinking it might get flexed if that has playoff implications, which right. you and I are pretty confident it's going to have playoff implications. But we've got a great deal for people.
2: Yeah, oh, it's going to have playoff implications, there's no doubt about it, because I'm willing it to happen, because uh, it's, it's going to either determine seed, it's going to determine whether we make it in or not, it's going to go down to that. I mean, the way that we have been used to Yankee baseball for the past two to three years, you know damn well it's yeah, happening. it'll be nice and torturous. All right, so the deal is, we got a $59 deal, which gives you a ticket to the game in either section 204, 205, 205 and, 206, and 206, which are the furthest to the, uh, the left on the second deck in right field behind Aaron Judge. Great seats. The, uh, the retail value, the face value of these tickets, I think, is $64, something like that. So you're actually getting a deal cheaper than that. It's a game ticket. You're getting an event tee that will be released probably tonight, maybe tomorrow. Um, and then we're doing a pregame party at the Bronx Brewery with Bronx Banner Ale, as we have talked about many times on the show. You get two free pints, 16-ounce pints at the brewery. And then we have a deal for everybody coming from Bronx Pinstripes, uh, $4 pints of Bronx Banner Ale uh, until the end of it. We're going to end it probably at 3 o'clock just so people can get over to the stadium and get in their seats. But September 30th, it's uh, against the Blue Jays. Blue Jays are probably not going to be in it, although you never know. They're
1: going to be playing spoiler because remember that how the Yankees and Blue Jays rivalry heated back up about a year and a half, two years ago when the Blue Jays were relevant again for the first time in, since Al Leiter was pitching for
2: them? Right. Yeah. Joe so, Carter.
1: Yeah, a bunch, of, a bunch of a-hole Canadians are going to come down
2: and uh, try and ruin the Yankees' good time and we're not going to let them. See, I disagree with the fans. I mean, when we went, I went to a Blue Jay game at Yankee Stadium, and there were way too many fans sitting in the bleachers. I don't think they're going to travel this time. I think at this point, they've hidden their hats. Their hats are either they already in trash purchased the trash, or their, their jerseys are sitting underneath their, their, uh, their hockey jerseys. So Wait, Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's not, uh, well, not going to be a big contingent, I don't think.
1: If any Canadians are watching, the event on the 30th is open to Canadian fans as well.
2: Yes, but don't come sit with us because no. that's not for you. No, this is all Yankee fans. You also know if you've But Canadian ever, Yankee fans, I know we have many.
1: You also know if you've ever pre-gamed a Yankee game in the Bronx that you can't get a $4 pint anywhere. It's more like $9 pints. So yeah. $4, in addition to the two free beers, is a hell of a deal. You can get a nice buzz on for the game for a pretty cheap bargain. 16
2: ounces. 16 ounces, that goes a long way. I just went to Fenway, could only get a 12-ounce beer, couldn't find a 16-ounce beer. Apparently they exist. But they're like a white elephant or a white buffalo, whatever the rare thing is. Can't find it.
1: We, uh, before we get into everything, we also have an interesting story about this microphone I'm talking into. Yes. So Scott overnighted it yesterday. Yes. And uh, in, it, it arrived about 24 hours later. Yes. <laughs> but about an hour and 45 minutes after we said we were going to do a Facebook Live. That's, so we were setting up. We were going to just use the were one. You are pretty
2: aggressive with 5 o'clock though, by the way. I said 5 to 6. Eh, yeah. Pretty aggressive.
1: We were setting up the one microphone and then Scott looks out the window and is like, the UPS guy's here. I'm running down. I'm like, shit. Well, <laughs> I guess we got a delay. I yeah. put out a little video. So that's, that's the setup right now for yeah. us.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm the, uh, the inner retentive one for, for audio quality. Now we have the, both the same microphones, which is very exciting because now we'll be on for every show from here on. We will have the same microphone. And yes. that, to me, is very exciting. So Dom will appreciate that for doing the audio editing as well as I do the editing with him. So that's uh, that's good things. And your ears will, will definitely appreciate it as well because it's going to be better sound quality. So we're always just trying to make things better. Always improving. Nice. That's the name of the game. Salud. Cheers. So Yankees had an off
1: day on Monday for the first time since August 7th, which is a long-ass time. And they don't. They only have two more off days the rest of the way. Yep. Their schedule is brutal. I think after the All-Star break, they, I saw Buster Only tweet that... They play the most games in the second half. So it's not going to be easy on the Yankees. And thanks to a makeup game against Kansas City, only two off days in the month of September when you're going for a playoff spot, when you have a rotation with Sabathia and Tanaka in it, who can use some extra days off,
2: that's going to be pretty tough. That's a tough month. It's definitely going to be tough on the pitching staff, uh, specifically the, the rotation. When you're talking about the bullpen, it seems like if they don't play like they did in Boston, they're actually built for situations like that, where they have multiple guys that they can rely on to to to, you know pitch late in games and get quality outs. The other thing that I think plays to the Yankees' favor with a busy schedule in September is that there is a lot of depth within the playoff or within the uh, position players, and a lot of guys are coming back healthy right now. We have like 18 first basemen. Mm -hmm. Some of them are are potentially MVP candidates. See, I'm some auto- of them are, are are coming from over from a trade that no, that everybody thought he'd only hit home runs in Colorado, was only good in Colorado. He's injured right now, but potentially. Hamstring could be that. injury.
1: He's used to the thin air in Colorado. His hamstrings couldn't handle the dense air of New York City.
2: Hey, that was not discussed. All that was discussed at this guy's power numbers and the fact that he hit for average, which I still didn't get why that would really be right. affected too much in the Colorado uh, thin air. But anyway, the bottom line is we have a, a multitude of first basemen who can actually come and help the team. Um, I'm out of, I'm officially
1: out of the predicting MVP game. That's probably a good thing for probably everybody involved. Probably a good involved. thing, right? Greg Bird's having a hell of a rehab, though. He's uh, like yeah. hitting 500, two it's kind home of like runs. spring training, right? Spring training Greg Bird is back. Yeah. We had Tanaka going last night. Looked like spring training Tanaka. Mm-hmm.
2: Castro has... The difference is that Tanaka did it in a big league uniform. Eh,
1: debatable. Uh, we have Castro, who's also having a decent rehab. One guy not having a good rehab is Matt Holliday, who... He's still in Tampa. Right? In Tampa, and ha- doesn't have a hit as of yesterday.
2: Yeah, something's going on with him. There's a reason he's in Tampa. He's so, working at those those down there for a reason.
1: Right. We're getting a lot of guys back. I'm not holding my breath for Matt Holiday.
2: No, not at this point. At this point, something's going on, and, and it doesn't seem like the Yankees have put their finger on it. I mean, ever since the disease that he had, he got in Oakland when when was Billy it Bean Mono? was when someone tweeted me Billy saying Bean it was poisoned Mono. a rat. The rat went into the clubhouse. Right. The clubhouse poisoned. Matt Holliday. That's the only explanation. Yes. The only reasonable explanation. Was it
1: actually mono, though? Because someone tweeted me saying he had mono. But I don't, I don't ever remember seeing it being mono.
2: I have no idea. I mean, 95% of things on Twitter are fake, so I have no idea.
1: That, that high? Pretty high. Damn. Um, on the off day, Judge went to the baseball lab in Irvine, Michigan. I was actually watching the Detroit broadcast last night, and they showed footage of it. He was there, I guess, with Marcus Thames and Alan Cockrell, working on his swing. He was doing some T work on his off day. Everyone else was staring up at the eclipse. Aaron Judge was in the baseball lab.
2: Gotta love it, right? Gotta love it. Does Derek Jeter have anything to do with the... uh, Is it close to Kalamazoo? I have no idea about the... Derek Jeter is only
1: concerned about getting that ugly-ass statue out of center field at Moreland's
2: Park. Um, Look, I like that he's working on it. Obviously, he knows that something's going on. He obviously wants to correct it. And the fact that he's working on, on, on this stuff in a very obscure place on his, on his off day is good news. I mean, the guy has a really good work ethic. I don't think that's ever been in question. He's going through struggles. There's no doubt about it. And obviously he wants to be out of it. So like everybody, like anybody who would want to be out of struggles, this guy's putting in the work. So
1: I I was looking up, nothing but good. I was looking up what the baseball lab was. And it's like for, it's like instructional baseball for kids. Like they had like kids playing t-ball on their website and I know you and I were talking before this. I went to one of those as a kid. I went to the Sam Horn Sam Horn Forum. It's a really difficult phrasing. Yeah, I don't know why Sam Horn play, uh, chose that, but Sam Horn was a Red Sox player. I grew up mm-hmm. in Rhode Island, so that's why that was – and you went to one as well, right?
2: Yeah, it was called In the Swing. It was in uh, – uh, I think it's gone. It may still be there. I'm not sure. But it's in Waldwick, New Jersey, and it was uh, Roy White who had a 15-year career from the 60s into the maybe early 80s. Um, on the Yankees. So imagine you're like gave a nine personal year old. instructions.
1: imagine you're a nine year- old kid working on working on your infield practice and in walks Aaron judge on a random ass Monday. That's
2: pretty awesome. Yeah, it doesn't matter who you're a fan of,
1: right. Um, but judge was doing work. He had three walks on on Tuesday and a single. Girardi pulls them. so the strikeout streak is over at 37 games. 37 games is, is now the new record. It's gonna go up there with DiMaggio's fifty-six game hit I thought streak. I saw
2: somewhere that had tied a record.
1: Although I thought he passed
2: the record single with season Dunn. record.
1: Single season record. Okay. So I think Dunn also, uh, or no, Chris Carter was it Carter or Dunn? No, Dunn. He had passed Dunn. I think Carter games has ago. a double season record. So like ended or like oh, so it end goes of into the next into, one. But which I don't ever count a you can't carry over no. seasons. That doesn't make it's sense. It's single season record. That's like
2: carrying over a record. Makes no sense. You mean like if you have... Like a team record. or
1: Yeah, or if it's like, well, I hit 30 home runs last year and 40 home runs this year, so I hit 70 home runs. Or if you go July to July. It doesn't work that way. It's just really dumb. But but Judge's streak is over at 37 games. Girardi pulled him. I didn't think he was going to pull him after the four at-bats. But he had four great at-bats, three walks, an RBI single, hit the ball hard to left field. Yeah. Gets him out of the game with with some positive vibes. Right. Him pulling him, it was a 10-run game at that point. Yeah. Him pulling him, though, proves it was weighing heavily on Aaron Judge and Girardi's mind.
2: Totally disagree. What inning was it? I missed the end of that game. It was was... like the seventh inning. Okay. Seventh inning on the road. Or sixth inning. He was going to get up again. Fine. Sixth, seventh inning on the road. Blowout game. Dude needs a day off anyway. Hasn't struck out. Has had some great (laughs) at-bats. It's a it's an absolute great move by Joe Girardi. And I haven't said that in a very long time. And this has nothing to do with X's and O's on the field. It has to do with getting a guy out, because why the hell would you give him another at bat just to get that strike out, just to keep it going? It doesn't mean it was covering, it just means it doesn't mean it was really nagging on on Judge. What yeah, it, it does mean, no, what it does mean is that Girardi, and we know this, and this is almost to a fault at some points. Girardi's got his guys back. And he's like, you know what? Four at bats. I'm going to pull you. It's a blowout game. It doesn't matter. I'm going to give you the rest of the night off. I don't doubt that... The he may med- have done it even if he had struck out. Uh,
1: Well, may, yeah, that would have... Yeah, who knows. But I don't doubt the media and fans made a bigger deal of the strikeout streak than Aaron Judge. Like, I think Aaron Judge has accepted the fact that strikeouts is Gonna part happen. of his game. Gonna happen. And if he strikes out once a game, but also gets a hit or a home run or a double and drives in runs, I don't care. Like, whatever. He's going to strike out. We understood that going in. But... I feel like this. He didn't earn breaking the streak. Finish the game. It's like when he's not breaking a streak. This This is is the whole thing. No, this is did you you know the ending a streak? Did
2: you know this thing existed before he was around? No, this
1: is not a streak that anybody gives a rat's ass. No, it's a streak no one wants. It's a streak that nobody knows about. I think he didn't. He didn't fully earn the streak. Ending the streak. It's like if you were batting, if you had the batting title at the last game of the season, and it's you go, nothing like. And that. you go two it's for two in your like first at bat, and then your manager pulls you because you know you could only lose it, you can't win it.
2: Or if, how many times did DiMaggio not finish a game? How I, many times? Did, I don't know. How many times did Ripken not finish a game? I don't think game? DiMaggio ever didn't. What do you mean? Like I guarantee he got, he went, Yeah, I guarantee there was uh, that, that wouldn't that make, sense. make sense. It doesn't make sense. I mean, Gehrig. Gehrig and Ripken. How many times did they not finish the game? Because I know that happened. I know. I don't know. I've read things about Gary going out there with like a broken finger. They put him out there. He hits and they take him out. Because you have to get five innings. No, you don't. Yes, you do. To be an official game, you have to play five innings. No, I you thought. don't. You have to earn that bat. Oh. For a player. I mean, you're a pitcher. Can someone
1: know? fact check us on that, yeah, That's 100% wrong.
2: You're 100% wrong. Also, you are 100 percent wrong It's do not need fact check. I don't immediately
1: thought of uh, the, whole, the old story about when Ted Williams hit 406. And he went out there and it was a doubleheader to end, to end the season. And he had the 400 average, and his manager said, "Do you want to sit? You're going to end the season at 400." Williams said, "No, I'm playing," and he went like four for seven and hit 406. Yeah.
2: And then Jose Reyes did the exact opposite when he won the when he won the batting title with the Mets. They sat him. Well, Jose Reyes is it. a
1: bitch. Yes, Ted Williams is a Hall of Fame historic player. Right, I'm and not, this is
2: a record that nobody
1: gives a Aaron shit about. Aaron so Judge did not go out and fully earn the breaking of the streak. That's all
2: I'm saying. Yeah. It's it's a it's a completely. Just ridiculous argument because it doesn't matter at all. I'm just so glad that we don't have to talk about it anymore. Well, he's going to start a new streak soon. Fine. We'll talk about it when he gets to 30. Let's just be clear like
1: that neither of us care about Aaron Judge striking out, right? We just want to see him having better at bats. I saw a stat that his hard contact rate has plummeted in the second half. I don't know if that's due to fatigue um, playing a, he hasn't played this many games. I mean, he's played 98% of the games, I think, that the Yankees have played this season. So he's never like been out there this much. Yeah. I also heard Ken Singleton talking about how I don't think specifically the home run derby caused Aaron Judge to uh, struggle. But just the fact that he was the center of attention of Major League Baseball for a week. That weighs on your mind. Like, that's a lot for a rookie 25-year-old kid to handle. All of a sudden, you're the face of baseball
2: at the all-star game. Like, uh, it might not be anything physical, but just mentally, that could screw with your head. I could see how things were getting mentally draining for the kid. I mean, first year out there, he has an unreal first half where he doesn't see one slump. That's I mean, that's something we talked about how many times we're like, when is this guy gonna slump? When is this guy gonna slump? Everybody knows, especially Susan Waldman and John Sterling, they know that's baseball. It's going to happen. It always does happen. That's and baseball it sport. does. It does happen. Almost 100% of the time it happens, it'll correct itself. And that's what's happening. Now, you're saying I don't care. we don't care about the strikeouts. To a point, I don't care about the strikeouts. But... The strikeout percentage that we're seeing now cool. is too much. Yes, I don't strikeout, care if he strikes strikeout. out once. I don't
1: want him striking out four times. But a
2: that's once. important because that's the yeah. kind of player he is. He's going to strike out, but he does have to limit those strikeouts. He has to be able to make more contact. More contact. The first half guy was not the real Aaron Judge. That was a some unreal guy that, that was, was a
1: superhuman freak. We probably will never see again. What he did in the first half, only a handful of players. I'm not exaggerating. Handful of players in Major League Baseball history are capable of. That's how historic of a first half it was. 330 batting average. Led the league in all the power categories. He was stealing bases. He was playing a a, a tremendous right field. Like, that does not happen. Yeah. Hitting 500-foot moonshots. Like, everything on a baseball field you need a guy to do, he was doing.
2: He did what Gary Sanchez did in the second half of last year, but he, Gary Sanders did it in like a month. Whoa. And and Judge did it the entire first Three months. half. months. Yeah. It was insane. So I think there's, you know, I, I talk a lot about expectations and managing the expectations. And I think a lot of people, and we tried to temper expectations by not predicting and telling people to back off the 90 home run, the 70 home run predictions after we see what he does in the first half because he was going to come back down to earth. Now he needs to find that happy medium. He needs to find that happy medium where he's striking out less than 50 40 percent you know if he can sit at 35 percent 35 to 40 percent in that range i well, think he's at, that's kind
1: of second half he's at like 48 percent. i think he i think his
2: goal should be 35 to 40 that that's would be still a lot that's still a lot but for like him 20, i think that would be i think
1: he was 27 in the first half yeah and that's that's
2: too that's, that's still that
1: still like leads the league you
2: realize but it's not for him he's a big dude you can't keep that compact of a swing for an entire season, you just can't do it. Like the fact that he had that compact of a, of a swing and was going to right field for as long as he did is is amazing. Because he plays, he's six seven, six eight, and he plays like a guy who's six two. But the problem wasn't just the strikeouts. Like I said, he was making
1: hard contact less often. So yes, he was striking out a lot, but when he did put the ball in play, it was no longer one hundred and seventeen mile an hour lasers. It was weak ground balls and pop ups. So he, so even when he when he put the ball in play in the first half, it was. Damage. Yeah, And now in the second half, when he puts the ball in play, it's not damage often. It's just an out because he's not hitting the balls hard. So it's a combination of strikeouts not making enough contact, not making enough hard contact. I think there's got to be some fatigue. I don't know what percent of of why Judge is struggling, but fatigue is playing a factor.
2: Yeah, I'm sure fatigue is there, and I think it's more mental fatigue than physical fatigue. But there's definitely something mechanical there. We talked about this on the last show, and we we saw the, the split screen. I think it was when they were playing the Mets. It's, it's a different batting stance from now than what he had in the first half. It's so fixable. It's, I know, but that's, it's just weird why there is such a big difference. Because when you see the two, it's a glaring difference. He's wide open right now compared to the first half where he was a lot more closed off. And to me, when you're closed off, you can go the other way a lot easier. You can block off the inside of the plate and go the other way. Whereas you're wide open, it looks like you're trying to hit the ball. Uh, to, you're trying to pull the ball. And going the opposite way is a lot harder to do when you're wide open.
1: Yeah. Uh, one guy who does not get fatigued in the month of August is Gary Sanchez. Continues to go on a tear. Two more home he runs. Waits, he waits, until, waits August. until August. Two more home runs on, on Tuesday night. 493-foot moon blast in the first inning. Longest at Comerica Park. History by like 20 feet. Second longest of the season. Behind Judge, 495 feet. I heard uh, Meredith tweeted after the game... A great quote from Judge who goes, "Yeah, I, t- I told Gary I still have him by two feet." <laughs>
2: I love it. I love it. I like that these two guys have that little bit, and we saw that earlier with uh, with Gardner and Holiday joking about the distance or the amount of home runs that they're hitting. I love that little internal competition, even if it is just joking. I think it's good stuff. It just it you know it builds on the chemistry in the clubhouse. But these two guys have some serious power. So we have not seen Gary and Judge at the same time. At the same time, no, we haven't. It's it's crazy. And I feel like we predicted this. I mean, if you're if you're looking at what happened in the first half and seeing how Gary Sanchez is playing, I mean, he was hurt for a little while too. You're almost like, okay, they're probably going to flip scripts in the second half. It was, I, I feel like it was one of the more predictable things to to, to think about for for what the season was going to happen, and it's it's happening. So it's it's and it's weird for a catcher because usually catchers fatigue exactly. Later in exactly like, uh, but that's because he doesn't try very hard.
1: <laughs> classic Posada was. Put up all star numbers in the first half, kind of fade down the stretch. I mean, I'm not criticizing Posada. Jorge was one of my favorite players of yeah. all time, but he would always kind of fade a little bit in the second half. But it's understandable if you're catching all those games. Um, but yeah, like we have not seen peak Gary Sanchez and peak Aaron Judge at the same time. And when that happens, the league is screwed. Yeah, absolutely screwed because these are two of the most dangerous hitters in the game. I had a uh, I have a coworker who's a Red Sox fan after the weekend series come up to me and said, "Would you trade straight up?" Gary Sanchez and Aaron Judge for Mookie Betts and Andrew Benintendi. Yeah. And I said no because I think Gary Sanchez is potentially the best player or most valuable player of the four because he's a catcher. Right. And if he can put up elite offensive numbers as a catcher and be that guy we saw in the second half defensively last year, he's still throwing out a ton of runners. I guess pitchers are okay calling like with him calling the game. Like there's really – the trend when he first came back, I know people were saying, "Oh, the team was better yeah. with Romine." But I think that trend has flattened.
2: Well, especially if you go back to last season, it didn't make yeah, sense it didn't because it was opposite. The main issue is his blocking.
1: If he can just make his blocking average, I think he's potentially the most valuable, one of the most valuable players in the league as a catcher who can put up elite offensive numbers. Like that doesn't happen. So I said no on the deal. Although I would probably rank the players who I would want going forward: Sanchez. Uh, Betts-Benintendi judge.
2: Yeah, I don't want anything to do with Benintendi because I think he's a little bitch. Um, <laughs> <I'm>, my <hatred laughs> Don't to let guys, your feelings get in the way. No, well, they will get in the good, way. Good, they're they're good getting in the way. Season. They're getting in the way. I don't want those two players. I do I do admire the way that Mookie Betts plays the game. I like the way he plays the game. I think he's a hard-nosed dude. He's a smart baseball player. Benintendi, I just don't like looking at him at all. I think he's a little bitch. He, he's he's going to be the guy that I'm going to hate for a long time. I want nothing to do with him. And, uh, and Aaron Judge is freaking Derek Jeter reincarnated as far as a, a man talking. I love that part of it. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to figure it out. I think he's smart enough and I think he's good enough to figure it out. And, I, and Gary Sanchez as well. While I don't think he's going to be the, the long-term catcher for the Yankees, that my gut feeling is that he's going to be a DH at some point, probably within the next five years, because I think this catching is going to catch up to him. I, I just I think the Yankees at some point are going to realize what a dominant – bat he is from the right side, and they're going to say it's not worth it because what we're trying to do is fix him defensively, yet he still has this unbelievable power, unbelievable uh, way to hit the ball on the offensive side, and they're just going to scratch it.
1: So the thing is, it's like you think of, I said Sanchez is an elite offensive player. He's not an elite offensive player for a catcher. He's an elite offensive player, period, Right in baseball. Like you have, Posada was an elite offensive catcher. Yes, Gary Sanchez is like could be the best hitter in baseball. That's the type of like talent he is offensively. That's
2: different. That's like next level. And that's exactly why I think when you see the when you see the deficiencies as a catcher defensively, when you're not getting down, when you're not framing pitches well, when you're going out to talk to the freaking pitcher five thousand times, like that stuff's going to get very old very fast. But if he's
1: DHing, even even though he's still very valuable. He's not nearly as valuable if he's playing Well, solid, it depends what you have a defense. catcher. It,
2: it honestly depends on what you have a catcher at that point, too. Right. If you like, have a guy who can, who, can, who can play the position, is a good defensive catcher, and, and ad, can adequately handle a, a bat, then, you know, I, it depends on personnel. There's no doubt about it. I just don't think they want to risk him long-term, well, for, long-term. The, for, for losing the bat due to him catching, due to mean? a knee injury, due to fatigue in the hips. I mean, we saw what happened with Posada. When he broke down, he was a shell of himself at the end. He started breaking down fast. He didn't break down until late 30s. Like, what do you mean long term? Because Sanchez is 24, 25 years old
1: right now. Yeah. Um, Do you mean long term, like, when he's 29 or long term when he's 34?
2: Because that's a different story. Like, I still think he's the catcher for the Yankees for the next few seasons. I just think that it depends on what happens personnel wise. And I think soon sooner rather than later i'd say 5 years i could say 5 years around the 30 mark he's going to become a dh if you get 5 or 6 seasons
1: of gary sanchez catching and then he moves to dh maybe partial first base like that's fine i mean i'm
2: not saying there's anything wrong with it i'm not saying there's anything bad with it i'm just saying that that's not that there's anything wrong not with that there's that. anything wrong with that but that's to me that's the direction of the move yeah I, they're going to save him they're going to save his like do you see how conservative they are with pitchers nowadays you don't, I know that that is going to come into play with Gary Sanchez and his legs as a catcher, especially if we don't see the defensive deficiencies improve. That's the biggest hindrance. Yeah. If he gets better like that and he, he really does improve the blocking and all these things around it, maybe they'll keep him longer. But I still think even if that is good, they're going to um, push him.
1: I might say the blocking could be due to also fatigue similar similar to how Judge isn't used to a full season, Sanchez isn't used to a full season, but he's raking at the plate. So And he doesn't. You're only fatigued when you're crouching behind the plate, but not when you're batting. Like it can't you can't have both.
2: Yeah, I mean people were talking about injuries too. You're only injured when you're when you're catching and yeah. when you're trying to run to first base on a lazy ground ball, but you can mash no problem. Speaking of injuries, Tanaka came off the DL. From from a what from a dead arm. From a dead arm. Thank tired you. arm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you for admitting that. That's what I said from the beginning. No, I was no.
1: saying I'm not getting back into this.
2: It was it was down the arm.
1: It was finally though we saw a game that it wasn't stressful, right? The Yankees offense was on fire. Tanaka gave them seven innings, three runs. He made a couple mistakes, but you can almost attribute that to he's pitching in a ten-run ball game. He's yeah. not going to walk somebody, so he's gonna he's just going to throw strikes. Well, even when
2: Tanaka's on, that's what he does at the end of games. He he grooves strikes. He
1: hung a couple sliders, one to Kinsler, one to Cassianos. Kinsler hit an RBI double. Cassianos a two-run homer. Um, I I don't want to say I don't want to give Tanaka too much credit because Detroit's lineup, especially with a struggling Miguel Cabrera, JD Martinez is in Arizona. That's not the same Detroit Justin Upton's lineup. having a great year. Justin Upton's having a good year. And, like, you've got Kinsler, who's a good hitter. Like, you've got good hitter. But that Detroit team is freaking giving up. So, uh, like, what... I don't know how much to attribute Tanaka to he was good and how much to attribute Detroit just sucks.
2: I mean, you have to give Tanaka credit because he just came back from the disabled list. He came back from a, quote, injury that really wasn't an injury. It was just fatigue. And he proved, one, that he's healthy Two, that he can go deep into a game, which we're not seeing very often from the Yankees pitching rotation. And to me, that's extremely important. At this point, if the offense, once everybody starts getting back into the, uh, the you know, once Castro comes back, hopefully, fingers crossed, knock on wood, that Greg Bird comes back in his a shell of himself. Knock on wood. I'm not sure that's real wood. But, the uh, you know, they're going to score runs. The runs are going to start coming. Theoretically, you look at the lineup; they got to come, right? So, length from the from the uh, rotation, keeping them in games to me is the utmost important. They got to eliminate the blowout games. They got to eliminate the Michael Pineda games, the early Tanaka games where he goes out. He's out. The the Derek Jeter day Tanaka. That guy can't exist anymore.
1: Well, we kind of were surprised. We talked about this last week. We were surprised, like Tanaka hasn't been that guy since pretty much June,
2: May 29th, like, I think those numbers were dating back, right? <laughs> I test. I know you're an I test guy. I
1: am. I test didn't say that, right? But the stats, his baseball reference page said that.
2: Yeah, and it was because I think I think we, we we figured it out as we were talking about it is that he clusters these these good starts or he had up until then and he had some really disastrous starts. So when he did that, the the numbers get skewed. They get weird when you look at the whole grand scheme. Like I, I people are sending out the tweeting out the numbers and like look, he's not bad. Okay, fine. But he has been very bad on occasion.
1: But we also have to like look at this comparative. Like, Let's put this in perspective. Like, Tanaka has been, as much as I shit on him, he's been one of the best pitchers in baseball for three seasons. Yes. And then like, he totally fell off Dare I say this more, year. more durable as well? What, more durable the last three seasons? Yeah. He, pretty the DL every, he has never gone on the DL. He has never gone a full season without going on the DL. 200 innings last year. I'm not calling somebody durable if they can't go a whole season without going on the
2: DL. Name this one, name one a pitcher play- that doesn't go on the DL. Name one that hasn't gone on a DL. You can't, because uh, they don't exist. I'm, I'm, they all go on the DL. I'm hesitant t- to say a
1: name on the Yankees because I then I'll jinx them and I'll go on the freaking DL. Well,
2: there's definitely nobody on the Yankees. That's for sure. Severino but hasn't been on the DL. There's nobody. There's nobody uh, that has a track record. There's nobody in major. I mean, your number one ace guy that you always refer to is Clayton Kershaw. That dude's on the DL every other day. This the last couple of years. So whatever. This you
1: got me really derailed on my point, which was we were comparing. Tanaka this year to Tanaka of 14, 15, 16. And it's not even close. Even though he's pitching better, it's, he's still not the same pitcher. No, like it's The numbers we were looking at since May 29th, is I think was 3.99 ERA. That's a 4 ERA. That's not good. His
2: last nine starts were pretty damn good, though. They're, 3, I think they were three the, ERA. I think it was under 3. It was, it was, no, it, it was, was
1: exactly three. 3. But 3.99 ERA since May 29th is a 4 ERA. 4 ERA is not good. Especially, 4 ERA was great in 1999. Freaking Roger Clemens won a Cy Young. It's, not a
2: four, it's a 399.
1: Roger Clemens won a Cy Young with like a 399
2: ERA. But this is, dude, that's not baseball anymore. There should be an asterisk next to that because he was also on steroids so it should have been better. Everybody was on steroids. I know, but he was too so it should have been better.
1: Bring steroids back. Baseball was more fun then.
2: The, uh, look, the bottom line is is that I saw a healthy Tanaka. I saw a guy that went seven innings. I saw a guy that gave up three runs, and honestly, those three runs were kind of nonsense because it was a home run at the end of the in the seventh inning when he's just throwing throwing BBs in there trying to get through it in a blowout game. No, it was encouraging. It's, it's very it was encouraging. encouraging.
1: He came off the DL after ten days. It didn't. He they didn't delay him any any uh, time. So yeah, you're right. Maybe it if wasn't we, really. It, a, a but listen to on.
2: this now. It, we're now that we're we're approaching September. We're approaching. Yep playoff implication in baseball. Like, every game from now on pretty much is is important, right? I mean, we're looking at it as all-important all baseball. When you have a... If, if Tanaka is truly this guy that we've seen, this 3RA guy over the past nine starts, and then you have Severino who has turned into a dominant ace, one blip on the radar, uh, Sonny Gray who gives you quality start after quality start after quality start. That's three guys. Then you throw in CC Sabathia who came back from a DL, got a quarter zone shot or whatever he got. He, he came back with a... A, a, a knee that he couldn't feel for for lack of a better... Numb that shit up. Yeah. He pitched very well. That's three guys plus CC who are pitching well right now. And that's a very good thing going down the stretch. And when you're looking at a short series, uh, talking about the playoffs, if you're able to either get the division and, and get to it in the first round or you get this one-game playoff and you're throwing a Severino in there, which we have confidence in, that's a very good thing. With the lineup that we have to me, the Yankees are built for a, a short series at this point. And it's a very good sign of these guys who the are hitting their stride. The bullpen. Absolutely. That's a
1: great transition, though, because I think the Yankee. Let's transition to talking about playoffs. We're at that point in the season where it's a playoff hunt at this point. Yeah. Um, they kind of screwed themselves the last two weekends against Boston because you and I agree they should have won two out of three in both of those series. Yes. If it weren't for Roldis Chapman and the bullpen blowing a couple games... You're looking at two games back of Boston, not five. That's that's different. You're totally different. Right. And then with four games coming up um, in Labor Day weekend, I mean it's it's game on at that point. Yeah, it's but a you're not it's, in it's that situation right now, so it's going to be tough. The only way they're going to really win the division division realistically is if they sweep Boston in Yankee Stadium four games,
2: or if they if they if they if even, Boston starts, starts and Boston struggles. Yeah. So it, it's going to be tough. Yeah. They have to bare minimum split. So we're not
1: giving up on the division. We're just acknowledging it's kind of a long shot. At this I feel game. like we're being
2: very realistic, realistic. With, this, with the sense of, of what's happening in the escape of the American League.
1: You said it. If the Yankees are playing a wild card game and they have Luis Severino going, you and I are very confident. The Yankees are favored in that game, especially because... It should be at home. They ho- control their own destiny to make that wildcard game at home. Right now, they're two and a half up on Minnesota, who is in the second wildcard spot. And then there's three teams bunched up with Minnesota. You've got the Angels, Mariners, Royals, and actually Rangers, too. So four more teams. The Yankees play the Twins and Mariners uh, coming up in the next week, or uh, I think they play the Mariners in next week, and then the Twins. Um, the following the or, or later in September so if you beat those two teams you basically basically clinch a home wild card game Severino at home at Yankee Stadium in a wild
2: card game I'm taking my chances yeah no I love it I think that's a great it's a great setup it, there's no doubt about it um, the Yankees I can guarantee you are, are dead set on, on trying to or going after that the AL East crown um, we're seeing all these guys come back I think over the next two weeks, we're going to see a very different Yankees team. And when you start seeing all of these guys return, and it's pretty much the starting lineup out of spring training, plus the additions that we've gotten through trades, right? We're really not subtracting anybody because we didn't really give up anybody on the major league roster. We were giving up guys that are you know potentially contributing well down the road. But Todd Frazier, who's hitting the ball very well lately, and he seems to have found whatever you know his little resurgence. I love that because I do love the guy. I think he's a fun player. And then Greg Bird, to me, at this point, is an X-factor. You love calling X-factors out, but he really is. He's a big left-handed power bat, and that's something that the Yankees desperately need right now. Um, with the with the rotation pitching the way that they are, and and hopefully they can continue along the way, I, I wouldn't be surprised if there was another injury between now and then. But um, I think this, this lineup can absolutely carry this team into... At least the wild card, and I think the number one wild card.
1: Well, if they don't get the wild, if they're not playing in a wild card game. That's a massive failure.
2: Agreed. And then, and then we we'll start talking about Joe Girardi because that's yeah, a that's a problem.
1: Hundred percent. Um, you but the teams that are right behind him, none of those teams scare me. The Angels have Mike Trout, and then I don't know how they're winning. Mike Trout's not pitching, so who the hell is pitching for the Angels? But they've been. Won. I legitimately
2: cannot name one starting pitcher. We, you were exactly. you were completely right. messing with me the other day, saying that Bartolo Colon. <laughs> and I was like, oh, I didn't realize that Bartolo Steve Colon Avery. was on there. Yeah, yeah Well, Chuck, Steve Avery Chuck, I wouldn't have gotten. Chuck, Chuck Finley. Finley. But Bartolo Colon very well could be on the Angels right now, and I'd have yeah. no idea. Tim Salmon, Troy Gloss, they're all yeah, still there. How you. have you
1: missed this? Right.
2: Garrett Anderson hitting home runs, batting cleanup. I got you. Yep. No, there's still a problem, though, because Mike Trout's there, and Albert Pujols is there, and still hits the ball out of the park, and can steal bases off Dylan Betances. With one life. <laughs>
1: but I'm expecting the Angels' wheels to fall off because they have no pitching. I agree. You've got Minnesota and the Mariners, who have been very solid teams all season. But if you're, you've got Severino going, you've got Irvin Santana going, who's probably the Twins' ace, and you've got um, James Paxton, who's probably the the Mariners' best pitcher
2: right now because Felix Your Hernandez name is, is, not, is, is kind of over, he's over the hill. He's been. He's been in the league since 19 years old. Yeah, he's, like, been, he's been in the league, for in the league a long forever. Time. So he's, he's got and he's got a neck tattoo. Ever since the neck tattoo, downhill.
1: Right. Him and Carl Crawford went together to get the neck tats.
2: Ooh, bad move. That was, a, that was a very bad move. But if you're talking about Severino up against those guys, I'm
1: I'm confident.
2: Yeah. And with uh, it's it's pretty crazy how the twins are even remotely in this. I mean, they were sellers at the trade they deadline. Get, they traded uh, Jaime Garcia.
1: Did you also see this today that they might ask for retribution on Dedric Ends because Ends is injured again in his left shoulder? So the Yankees... yeah, but he
2: pitched a game in Minnesota in the major
1: leagues. But they, but, but he hasn't done that the in the Yankees. Again. They, they might essentially they might take the
2: Yankees to small claims court. Not going to get it. They might sue judge the Yankees. Judy is going to say hell no to that because he went and pitched in a Twins major league uniform. Sorry. Bad. That's what I
1: say, buyer beware. Like, yeah. Once you buy the goods like, and they're off my shelf, like, it's on you.
2: Yeah, you should do the homework and test uh-huh. the guy out. That's why they have trades that fall through because of physicals. I, der- I derailed you. I don't even know what the hell I was talking about. No. But I think what I was saying is that I'm surprised that the Twins are even remotely in this conversation because they, they thought that they were going to make a run. Then they lost like six in a row. Then they sold. Then they won again. Uh, they went on a long streak. So I don't know who they are. Paul Modder has them... If he's the, still the manager, just has him playing uh, so he's, pretty he's well he's at this He's playing point. third base for them. He might be for the Twins, even or for the uh, Angels. But they're, uh, I, again, I, the pitching the pitching for Minnesota. Everybody who we're looking at underneath the Yankees right now in the wild card, all the pitching staffs are below par.
1: Are you at all worried that the Royals may, might make a run? They've got the most playoff experience.
2: I mean, if you're if you're talking about that, but they're a different team as well. I mean, they have they have. Their entire pitching staff is completely different from when they were. Act- Ian Kennedy. Is Imagine the- if
1: it was Luis Severino versus Ian Kennedy, that ginger. Oh my god! What would be a worst case scenario for the Yankees?
2: Losing to Ian Kennedy in a one car- to Ian- at home. Hold on,
1: let me finish. Losing oh. to Ian Kennedy in a one game wild card, or losing to the Mariners and Ben Gammel gets has like a huge game against
2: you. Ian Kennedy, no doubt. Ben Gammel, We knew we were getting rid of a good player. You know, we, we knew we were getting rid of a, a player that, that could be something. It was a roster thing. So I fully expect Ben Gamble to screw us at some point. Right. I don't expect Ian Kennedy to screw us.
1: Um, let's talk about Severino, though, because we've never really gotten deep into his numbers. Um, but he's been a top five pitcher all season in the American
2: League. He we've talked about his numbers when he was struggling and how he can get better, I think, because I think a lot of the numbers that you're about to talk about correlate with yeah. what we've said. He um,
1: he made the jump. You and I questioned if he could make at the beginning of the season. He was competing for a, a rotation spot in spring training. It's kind of crazy to think about the Yankees. Like you had Aaron Judge, you had Aaron Hicks, and Luis Severino all competing for roster spots essentially in spring training, and they've been three of the most impactful players on the team.
2: Yeah, no, it's um, look the guy from. If you're looking at what happened last year, there was there were all these conversations about. Why was Severino struggling when he was when he was starting the games? Why was he dominant when he would come in and throw multiple innings in the bullpen? Like, what was the difference? Why was there was something upstairs? Absolutely, and I think that was there was some kind of a mindset shift on him, some kind of a a build of confidence, because he's got that right now. You can see the confidence. He's got swagger when he walks off the mound. He walks off. He's he's. That's important. If you're a major league baseball player, if you're a major league baseball player, and you are trying to be one of the best pros out there, you got to have that confidence. you got to know that your stuff is going to beat that guy up there. And now I think Severino knows that. And a lot of that goes into the fact that he's really built a full arsenal. Because I don't think he had that full arsenal last year even. Last year it was still he was still testing out that changeup. Didn't have confidence in it. Still not throwing the slider with a ton of confidence. Still working through these things. It's a young guy working through his pitching uh, selections. And I mean, I'm giving a lot of credit Maybe to Pedro Martinez is that yeah. is that who we give credit yes. to? Yes, because I mean that's that's a guy that he was working with in the offseason. You're seeing what Pedro did with. Uh, they called him. The they type, they the different pitches. The number
1: one comparison when Severino came up uh, to a pitcher was Pedro Martinez. Yeah, and don't you remember we talked about 2015 like a uh, no pressure kid? We're comparing you to Pedro freaking Martinez. Yeah, the best pitcher of the 90s. Yeah, like
2: yeah, arguably the best right-handed pitcher. Yeah, he's. And he's showing the fact that he can change pitches. And that's the biggest thing. Severino, everybody flashes, just like everybody flashes with the 500-foot bombs that Aaron Judge hits. Everybody flashes with the 100-mile-an-hour-per-hour fastball that he throws. Sustained 97.8 or 97.5 or whatever it is. Uh, I think it's the highest sustained fastball in the league, right? I believe, four-seam fastball. Everybody, those are the eye-popping numbers. Those Those are the sexy numbers. But the fact that he has established that changeup, the fact that he throws it, and I think we got, we got numbers yeah. on that, right? But the fact that he actually just shows it. doesn't need to throw it a ton, but needs to show that he will throw it and has confidence to throw it at any point. He can throw it at any count. That's huge. And he's showing that.
1: 13.2% of the time he's throwing the changeup. That's not a lot. Mm-mm. It's slightly increased over last year, but the biggest change is that it's now a decent changeup. Yes. It sucked. But hitters didn't have to worry about it last year. He, could, he, he couldn't throw it for strikes. He would, he would n- have no confidence in it. So if he got into a tough situation, a hitter knew, These, this guy's not throwing me a changeup. He has no confidence in this pitch. Yeah. So even though he's only throwing it 13% of the time, a hitter in the back of his mind has to say, he might throw me the changeup. Right. Also, his slider is probably his most improved pitch. And he's throwing his slider more this year and his fastball less. As we know, his fastball is the fastest in the league, 97 miles an hour average. And he carries that into the 6th, 7th, and 8th inning if he goes that deep into the game. Rubber arm. So hitters can't hit a slider. I think they only have a 200 batting average and have only hit four home runs off of his slider this season. You got the changeup to worry about. He's a three-pitch pitcher now. And when you've got a 97-mile-an-hour fastball that can locate... You don't need. I mean, you hear about guys who are four pitch pitchers, five pitch pitchers. Remember, we talked to Joe Stiglitz from Oakland, and he's like, Sonny Gray can throw five pitches, and yeah. he can mi- mix and match." Sonny There's Gray, not a lot of those guys. Not a lot There's of those. Just guys not a lot of anymore. those guys, and but usually like, they don't throw hard. Severino, at this point in his career, does not need to be a five pitch pitcher or a four pitch pitcher. Right? He's a three pitch pitcher because his stuff is nasty.
2: It's it's similar, actually, if you're looking at a a potential comparison, like what CC was early in his career. Yeah, CC was throwing. Off of this, off of fastball, slider, fastball, slider and uh, I'm not even sure if he had a changeup back in the day. He, and maybe I'm sure he His should, change showed up, something.
1: So I was, um, I was rewatching. Uh-huh. On YouTube, they have like the 09 yeah. World Series video. I was re-watching it, and the announcers were talking about how CC has really dedicated himself to his changeup this year. Yeah. And that's 2009, his first year with the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. So up until that, 08, uh, to 08 to he was
2: fastball slider, occasional curveball. And, and it was a different era in the sense that not as many guys were throwing as hard yeah. as he was at this point. We, now we're seeing everybody doing that. But there's an evolution as a pitcher. You're going to throw harder earlier in your career. Obviously, you're a younger guy. You have a fresher arm. You're, you're able to do that. Um but the fact that he does have the three pitches and the, the and now he's got confidence in all three of those pitches yep. makes him you know this the sky's the limit with, with Severino at this point. Severino's on
1: the bump tonight. It's I know the game has already started. You yeah. and I are not watching the game right now. Uh hopefully he's not getting shelled. That yeah. would look like the egg on our face if that was probably the case. probably par for the course though. Uh last topic before we we end the podcast, Chapman. The ringer wrote something about Chapman. Um Basically, the gist of it was that his arm angle is 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 is, is, lo- is is lower than this year than it is in years past. Yeah, he's still throwing Velocity. Velocity. Surprisingly, this is going to shock you. He's still throwing the same amount of strikes, hmm. but his arm angle is lower, and he's getting way less contact. He's getting way more contact. Uh, so ten percent more contact.
2: I don't think sh- I don't think when you are talking about percentage of strikes, that tells the whole story. It really depends on when those strikes are thrown, also,
1: and where in the strike zone they are. Yeah.
2: So I mean, were they thrown while he was behind in the count? Were they thrown on the first two pitches? Because if you're getting ahead of pitchers, oh, you're throwing totally, them early. It's a different story. Like I know. Like if a, so if I if hit, if, this is if, why I have a problem with with all the the metrics. They if, don't tell the true story.
1: First of all, he's going to throw more strikes because hitters are making more contact against him. And if you make contact, that's a strike. And also, if you're set up on the inside corner, Sanchez is set up on the inside corner, and the ball leaks over the middle of the plate, guess what? That's still a strike, but that's not a good pitch. Right.
2: So it doesn't—I agree. He's not throwing as many good quality strikes. He's been throwing the slider more often, too, this year, and that was our big thing, I think, with with, uh, Chapman before he actually got traded. Before Chapman got traded, you and I had this conversation about— well, is this guy going to play later in his career? Right. Can this guy actually be a dominant closer once that arm stops throwing 103, 105 miles per hour? Because that's what he's been living on for this entire time. The slider's never been good. He's just shown it. It's never been good. It doesn't have a good bite. It's a terrible pitch. And you're looking at all the major it's, leaguers. It's
1: just a slower
2: pitch. It's just not a good pitch. So he's been throwing that more. I think he's trying to work on that. I mean, he's for longevity, he's going to have to. But getting ahead of the count, in the count to him, or for him is probably the most important thing, and he's just not doing it.
1: The Yankees are ruling out any possible injury, so it's not like his lower arm angle because his shoulder is hurting or anything like that.
2: And this is based off one article. I I haven't seen any of this stuff. I don't know. You've where been a little busy. Yeah, I've been a little busy. I don't know where they. Uh, you know, if they're looking. they
1: had a bunch of different. They had basically had a breakdown. It, it's so the because that's
2: hard to see sometimes. If it's, it's not clear as days when you're looking at Aaron Judge saying. That dude's stance is wide open. That dude's stance is closed. Arm angle, you gotta look closer at what pitch are they throwing? What's the count? I don't know. There's a lot of different so things. So I appreciate
1: here. the ringer in the sense like they have they do break it down, but sometimes it gets way too inside baseball for my mind, and I'm just like yeah. my head's spinning. Yeah. They broke down to the nth degree of Chapman's arm angle. Okay. It's basically like two or two to three inches lower. Um That's a big difference. Two to three inches? Uh well it's it's a range. Okay. It could be like from where he was in his career up until now, in this point.
2: Interesting. I mean, I, I like all that stuff. I love talking about mechanics and seeing where guys are because I think that does have a lot to do with it. When you start repeating the same motion over and over again, you're going to see more consistent results.
1: But arm angle could affect
2: movement. It could also it could also uh, impact where the batter is picking up seeing the ball. It and also
1: yeah. movement. Like he gets even though he's still throwing at a hundred, if it's not moving and the batter is picking it up earlier, yeah. That's a whole different game.
2: And add in the fact that the batters are used to seeing now 100 miles an hour in the minor leagues. Right, but like they were used to seeing it last year, and he was fine last year. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a different guy out there. I, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint. He sweats a lot. I don't <laughs> know if that has something to do <laughs> with see, it.
1: But see, let's also make He didn't a-
2: sweat in the sixth inning when he was dominant. Right,
1: it's no, no pressure in the sixth inning. I think the Yankees can get by if Chapman is not... Aroldis Chapman we signed up for. If he's just a middle innings pitcher, they still have Robertson, yeah. Lee, uh, Green, and Warren. He's not a linchpin. He like, is not an X-factor. In it's this crazy that we could say that. $86 million dollar closer, our season doesn't ride on that guy. But that's the reality with this bullpen.
2: David Robertson, that knuckle curve he threw the other night in Boston on a Saturday night when he closed out that game was filthy. Absolutely filthy. Gary Sanchez had... Couldn't block it. It was on so Gary Sanchez. Gary but it was, it it was, was so a filthy filthy Yadier
1: Molina would have
2: had dip, uh, had difficulty. It would have stuck to his chest. The beautiful thing about <laughs> David Robertson, though, is that he has the experience. He has yeah. the, the moxie to go in there and throw. He may let guys on, but that doesn't bother that guy. He can go out there and do it. So knowing that, knowing Girardi, knowing that he has that guy in the back of the bullpen, gives him so many options. Yep. Will he do it, though? That is to me is the biggest question. I
1: think we're going to see how September plays out. Yeah. September is not only a playoff run, There's Yankees are going to figure a lot of shit out.
2: Yeah, they are. Which is fascinating because we've played a lot of baseball already.
1: Yep. Uh, all right, that does it for this episode. Again, the Bronx Brewery Bronx Banner Ale, go check them out at the bronxbrewery.com uh/find you can enter your zip code, you can find out where they're sold. Check them out at Yankee Stadium. We're going to be drinking it at the September 30th event. Those tickets will be on sale
2: Uh, hopefully tonight tomorrow soon we're waiting on a couple things it's a
1: great deal for 59 bucks you get two free beers and then four dollar pints a t-shirt and a ticket to a game that's gonna have playoff implications and we're gonna be there and it's all gonna be
2: cheaper than what you would buy on on, uh, Ticketmaster right now alright guys we'll catch you guys next hey guys thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it, and go Yankees. Where do you see stats? I just looked up a...